So the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about Abel and Cain. I'm not going to go into any details about this. We, we've been talking about Abel worshiped God by faith. He was the first one. Not only was he the fourth person on earth, but he was the first man that ever worshiped God by faith because the mother and father didn't have to worship God by faith. The mother and father worshiped God by sight. And so anything that you can read about Abel will behoove you because that he got it right. And I said this from the very beginning. So evidently, for the last two weeks, we've been talking about that we found out that even in worship, it's, it's, it's possible to worship wrong. Yes. But Abel got it right. So <clears throat> we left you last week about Cain and the decision that God handed him. He said, I love you and I want you to do good. And I want you to get it right because sin or sin offering lays at the door. Your brother provides the animals. It doesn't cost you anything. We went to a lot of details about that, but Cain did not. You can't make anybody do anything. Turn to somebody and say, hard head. I mean, no, don't do that. You'll get them all flustered. But you can't make anybody do anything. All you can do is set the example. All you can do is prepare the platter. And God said, I've given you everything to life and health and godliness, but still you refuse. And so we know what happened out of anger and rage. Cain killed his brother, Abel, out of jealousy. Not everybody is excited that you're walking with Christ today. Matter of fact, that your old buddies at work, that y'all had a hee-haw of a time a year ago when you got saved and gave your life to Christ, they're not that thrilled with you anymore. Instead of you giving them a bottle for Christmas, you gave them a Bible and they say, what do I do with this? Remember? Divided waters. When the word of God hits waters, they part. The Bible says the wicked are like waters, seas, trouble. And every time that the word of God and you approach such a way, you'll find that people are parting away from you. And the first thing you want to do is just like, is there something wrong? Yeah, you had the living Christ in you and they don't want to be around you. And I understand. But now then we get to something, a place that I think is very important. In Genesis chapter five, verse three, at one instant and in one blow, Eve has lost both sons. Lost them both. We all have experienced everything was going great until something happened. And in one instant, we lost it all. At one instant, in one circumstance, something that we, we treasured and we thought that was great and we needed, we lost it. So Adam lived 130 years and he begat a son in his own likeness. Now this is, that's not the length of his days. He waited 130 years to have another son. Both his sons now are, are gone. One's in the ground and one's been banished in obscurity. Never to be seen again. And so he burned another son in, in his image and called his name Seth. This morning, I want to talk to you just for a moment about what happens when we lose things that are important to us as a Christian. Whether it be death or divorce or what do we do? 
when, when, when we really thought that we had it all figured out and the next morning we wake up and our life is turned upside down. You're not alone. Every one of us has experienced this. So Adam rocked on for 130 years carrying this weight. Eve rocked on for 130 years carrying the shame and the guilt and the disappointment because it was her actions along with his that removed them from the very presence of God. What do we do with guilt and shame? We got to do something with it. So they named this boy Seth. And by definition, some has used the word replacement, but the best word for the name Seth is compensation. This is the best word for Seth, compensation. Now, Brother Webster gives us the great definition of compensation. Something or someone that is given to counterbalance for an undesirable event. To compensate. Something or someone that is given to counterbalance for an undesirable event. Make no mistake about it. Jesus talks about, he said that if my father's eye is upon the sparrow that falls to the ground, how much more is he concerned for your life? And I want you to know this morning, there's a lot of things that's happened to us and that will continue to happen that, that really is painful and it's very hurtful and there's really nothing that we can do to change it. Some things in life are not meant to be changed. Some things are meant to be endured. And I encourage you to turn off the television at 3 a.m. on these TV evangelists and really because they live in a different world than you and I live in. We know what it's like to experience heartaches and hurts. We know this. And, but the problem is we just don't know where to put it. But God knows. And for 130 years that they carried this thing around, we've lost our sons and, and the promises of God are null in effect anymore. We've lost them. The very, the very children that we thought that would carry on the promise of God, one's under the ground and one's gone. We'll never see them again. And sometimes, this morning, sometimes that we know that God has spoken to us and said some things over our life years ago, but because of circumstances, we think they have been banished or buried. But here's the good news. God's word is faithful. Whether you got goosebumps or not, Blessed is the man that has goosebumps. There's nowhere in there. <laughs> so somebody asked me last week, what is the greatest New Year's resolutions that I think for a Christian? Because I didn't talk about New Year's resolutions, but here it is. It's people that are making plans for the future that at the same time they're paralyzed by their past. So they said, now then you have my attention. Commitments that we have made to ourselves, but we did not keep. Promises that we made to other people and left unfulfilled. And here's the best one. I'm disappointed in the lack of spiritual progress. And the list goes on and on and on. And before you know it, we become stuck. I don't need you to raise your hand this morning, but last in 2022, the commitments you made to yourself, 
And I'm not talking about going on the diet either. I'm just talking about commitments you made to yourself that I will never do that again. I'll never use those language again. I'll never pick up that bottle again. I'll never do that again. And you did it. And then you made a promise to someone. I promise that I'm going to do this and I'm going to be better and I'm going to do this and I promise to do this and you did not. And I think one of the greatest things that really keeps us in guilt and shame like Eve is the fact that, that we're so disappointed in our own spiritual progress. And I'm not talking about this section, of course, because they're perfect. I'm just talking about y'all. <laughs> is any here beside me that's a little disappointed in my spiritual progress? So Paul gives us two options dealing with these things. Number one is that we can continue being stuck by them or we can, we can stretch beyond them. If you've, if you've ever committed something to yourself and, and you didn't keep it, if you ever made a promise to someone and you didn't fulfill on it, and if you feel like you're disappointed in your spiritual potential, then you have two options this morning. Number one, you can continue to be stuck by these things or you can stretch beyond these things. And I choose the latter because I will tell you, I know a buku of people that is stuck in door number one. So here's the scripture this morning is Philippians. I'm getting back to Seth. You won't believe it, but I am. Philippians chapter three, verse 13, it says this. Brethren, Adelphus means a woman's uterus. It, we're born of the same womb. So he's saying that we've been born again of God. That's what he's saying. Brethren, I count not myself not to have apprehended it or obtained anything, but this one thing that I do, the word one thing is the Greek word for priority. My priority in life is this. I've learned to forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forth at those things that are before me. The word forgetting is a Greek word called epilethano. And it means to turn away from as fast as you can. Forgetting. To drop it. It's like someone picked up a, a cast iron skillet on the stove. It was piping hot. And after blisters appeared, he said, it didn't take me long to turn that thing loose. I understand. It is letting go of something that has gone beyond its expiration date. Here's a word of wisdom to every one of you this morning in your Christian walk. Never take a person past their expiration date in your life. You regret it. <clears throat> what I mean by that is that, that, that it's possible that we can, as a body of Christ, go through life, our entire life, loving one another. But I will tell you, people will come along your way that look good and smell good and sound good, but somewhere along the way, they've soured. Now, when I was a boy, and I don't know how long ago that's been, but <laughs> expiration days were not posted on milk cartons. It's true. That's way back to when the sun was round and the moon was square. And so I remember 11, 12 years old. I don't remember, but I went in the house and it used to come in cardboard boxes. 
And I mean, I come through the front door looking for anything to drink and I reached in and got a, a carton of milk and I had about that much in it and I turned it up and immediately I realized it was cottage cheese. <laughs> and to this day, I will puke on the spot at sour cream and cottage cheese. Now, if you invite me over for dinner, do not put cottage cheese or, cre or sour cream in the dish. I will vomit on your table. <laughs> Vitamin D, the fruit of the cow was good and beneficial to the body, but when it got past its expiration date, it became very bitter. I'm here to tell you this morning that some of your old friends and some of your old gang, they have gone past their expiration date of your friendship. I don't mean to the fact of Ahab and Rhea. Ahab means lover. It means one that we're connecting or so. Rhea's acquaintance. We should be friendly to everybody. But I'll tell you, when you try to stay in the same bed or you try to stay in the same relationship with people, they're in the habit of doing simple things. You're, you're bringing problems to your spiritual man. We're going to be civil. We're going to be decent and we're going to love them and we're going to respect them. But I will tell you, I can no longer get in agreement because the Bible says, well, can two walk together unless they agree. You say, well, my goodness, what would Jesus do? I'll tell you what he did. He ran from them. I mean, he's speaking one moment and he's gone. And somebody said, where'd he go? And he said, I'm getting far as away because they want to hand me a, a, a crown and a diadem. And I'm getting as far as I can from them. So never take things past its expiration date or you'll regret it. So forget about what things, Paul said. Those things that are behind us. It's a Greek word called piso. Something that has soured, spoiled, and it even sickens us to think about it. There's some things that we have done in the past that is, has not settled with us yet. And I got a whole list. I can't do anything about it. There's some things that I have committed in the last 30 years since I've been a Christian. And I don't mean things like I got on the water tire and wrote Darren Miller's a rat. Well, that was true, but I didn't do that. But every one of us that we can replay and hit the rewind button of something just when we kind of get standing on our spiritual two feet and then we begin to recall certain things that we did or we said and these things and it kind of it just kind of sickens us. It's soured. It's spoiled. And Paul said, here's the deal. These things that are behind us, so peace, so these things that that every time that you try to redigest them, it makes you sick. Eve carried this around. I call it is I call this regurgitation. Can you imagine being responsible for being kicked out of the garden? What it was like to walk with God and hear his presence and, and hear his voice and, and feel his presence. I mean, eye to eye. And because of one mishap, you're out. And I will tell you, there's a tremendous difference between six inches in the garden and six inches out. I can see it. I can smell the flowers. But there's a huge difference being in the presence of God and being outside the presence of God. Yes. And they carried this around. And so not only for 2022, but for the last 35 years that Gail and I have been saved longer than that, about 40, really. 
there's things that have, that have happened and I did and, I, and nothing really like bad, bad. I mean, I, I, I talk about cats, but that's normal, you know. But every time you think about this, whether it be a relationship or something happened that you just couldn't quite figure out, it, it sours in your stomach. Somebody at church, the previous church, did something to you, said something to you, hurt your feelings. I understand. And you can't get past it, but you can. You have to. Or you'll continue to be soured and spoiled by this until it sickens you. So something in our life that is so useless, it needs to be buried and never to be reviewed again. Now, I'm not a doctor. I was there when my boys were born. I don't mean like outside, but I mean like inside. And like I said, I figured out on the first one, Jeremy, that, that on that sheet that the doctor raises up while her feet are in the stirrups, there's one side that, of the sheet that the doctor belongs, and there's one side of the sheet that dad belongs. Okay, has anybody been inside of the delivery room like, okay, so that magical seat, sheet. So when Jeremy was born, I mean, right, right, right. When the golf ball's about to go in the hole as a hole in one, I peek around the corner and I really wish I hadn't. <laughs> mm. But even I am smart enough to know that you remove all the afterbirth and keep the baby. No one carries pictures of that extra stuff that comes out with the baby. Now, you think this is funny, and it kind of is, but I'm getting somewhere. So somebody had a new baby. Jordan had a new baby. Brian Ashley had a new baby. He said, hey, let me show you a picture of my baby. And I mean, Samantha's beautiful. And Brian said, let me show you the afterbirth that came with it. <laughs> and I got news for you, brother. You need to get rid of that. I don't know what they do with it. I don't want to know. All I want to know is I don't care. Any, you, did you know childbirth in the kingdom of God is a messy thing? I know, I know what they tell you on television. Oh, if you'll just come down and say this and get it right and, and make it articulate right and, and everything will be perfect. That is not the way it is in kingdom childbirthing. It's messy. I got saved, but I want you to know when I got saved, there's a whole lot of other stuff that came with it. Junk and debris and hate and venom and anger and that stuff, and it still kind of lingers around. I don't care anything about that extra stuff. All I'm concerned about is the child of God, the son and the daughter of God. And I say, do you know, do, 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 who can I pick on? I'll pick on Virgil. Hey, do you know Virgil? Oh, I know Virgil, but did you know Virgil doesn't? I don't care anything about that other stuff. All I know is here's a picture of Virgil. He is a son of God. Amen. 
We don't care anything about all that extra junk that gets in the way. It should be buried because I will tell you one thing. All that stuff is good for is to make you sick at your stomach. Jesus forgave our sins. He took it to the cross. He buried our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. And, and he put up a sign, do not exhume dead things. Did you know it's illegal to go to the cemetery and dig up dead bodies? If you didn't know that, don't do that. You'll get arrested. And who has the right to go exhume sins that Christ has buried? I know that when you got born again, I, I know there's stuff all over you. I know that. I see that. But this is a part of sanctifying grace. You, 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 you don't go from, from in the womb to, to being a perfect baby without mess. There's junk. When Jeremy came out, I mean, it, it looked like, it, it looked like the, the blob of 69 came out, that old movie. I mean, there was stuff all over him. And I said, is that normal? The doctor said, oh, that's normal. We'll just clean him up. And he turned out pretty good. He was six foot five when he was born. He turned out pretty good. <laughs> the problem is, I mean, you don't understand what's going on. Here's a newsflash to all of us preachers. You're God's children. You're God's. I'm just a midwife. And God will clean you up. If you belong to God, he'll clean you up. And I, and I don't want to spend my time focusing on all the debris that comes with your new birth. I don't want to get hung up in all that junk and all that slime and all that gelatin. I don't want to get hung up in that. That stuff is, is products of the flesh. I don't want to get hung up. In, I'm just telling you, right, if you belong to God, and you do, and if you're a son and daughter of God, which you are, he will clean you up in his time. All I need to do is just encourage you in the Lord this morning. And if you're not where you want to be, I'm telling you, good news is today we can begin a new day. And all I want to do is carry around pictures of how wonderful you are. It'll change your, it'll change your heart towards people. You're not responsible for people. I may be responsible to you, but I'm not responsible for you. All I can do is live a life and say, God, if they belong to you, if, if Carrie Webb belongs to you and she does, you know what, Father? You will clean her up because in childbirth, it gets very messy, but you will clean her up. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against this day. I trust God. I'm confident of this one thing. That he began a good work in me will continue that work until the day of Christ. Amen. <clears throat> so in this word for God is two words. The word for God in past tense means to lose all memory at once. I bumped my head working the other day and I remember everything except I owe Ron as $25. I don't remember that. <laughs> to for, when you say the word for God, it means I've lost all memory, but that's not the word the apostle Paul used because things that's happened in your life, it's impossible to forget them as to forgot them. It's impossible. But the word forget is an active verb in the Greek. It's an ongoing and it's an active verb. And by definition, 
It means the ongoing, the mental ongoing act over time until something is forgotten. Epilothamaho is, is a word, you, you've kind of heard me say this, but, but for you that are new here, this will take about 60 seconds. Things that happen to you, you can't forget them. Somebody did something, you, you can't forget it. I mean, like wake up with amnesia, like I don't remember that unless you're hitting the head. So when something bad happens to you, this is bad. It's bad. When, somebody, when something bad happens to you and, and, and when it's bad, you go through life like Adam and Eve did for 130 years and they carried this thing around. It's bad. It's bad. And every day you get up and look at it and you can blame yourself as she did. It's my fault. My mistake. I'm the one that kicked. I'm the one that messed this up. And so they carried this for 130 years around. So if we're not careful as Christians that when he said you've got to forget or forgetting those things behind me, it's not like you get amnesia because it, 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 it'll come to the surface quite often. So this is the word the Apostle Paul uses for the word. I'm getting to Seth, really I am, for the word bad. The word epi in Lathano is a word for on top of. Lathano means to cover or to hide or conceal. You put them both together, it means this. That it's not the fact that God will get rid of that because he's not getting rid of that. Like you wake up and say, I don't remember that. You do remember it. You remember the divorce, you remember the death, you remember the pain, you remember the struggles, you remember the hateful words and the unkind words, and you remember it because you look at it every morning when you look in the mirror. So the word forgetting is a Greek word that means this. God, Paul says through God, God says through Paul, this is how you do this. You want to forget it? More than anything, he said, then this is how you do it. Epilothonho. You cover it up with something. You cover it up with good works. Something or someone in your life has come along and covered it up. Someone somewhere along your life has come and they're kind to you instead of hateful to you. Somebody somewhere offers you a, a puppy instead of a kitty cat. They're being very gracious to you. And before you know it, you wake up day, year after year, and the people in this church, they love you. And I appreciate what AJ said. Candy loved them and welcomed them. I mean, you're, you're, you're missing what this thing is. God is so interested in your life that he'll send a mentor your way to help you through the pain. You're missing out while you're coming here. These people are more, they're doctors, they're spiritual midwives, they're physicians trying to help you. These people are not here by accident. They're here by assignment. You need Turn to somebody and say, ooh, if I ever needed you, I need you today. Amen. Tell them that. Hypocrite, because you can't do it by yourself. So the word forgetting means this. God brings people our way to cover up the bad things that someone has done to our life. Forgetting. Now the question is, is it still there? And God says, don't do that. <laughs> You'll regret it. Oh, that's a good church. I like it. But I'll tell you, the last church I come from, I couldn't trust the pastor because, and then lo and behold, 
God said, I tried to tell you. Don't look at it. Don't go back and remember those things. So forgetting has really nothing to do with spiritual amnesia. Forgetting has everything to do with this. Epilephonaho means this. Is to cover up or something that's on top of whatever's happened to you that's good and beneficial. It's compensation. It counterbalances the bad and God will always bring the good. If someone has been mean to you and, and disappointed you, you can look around that God has sent someone your way that will love you and encourage you. Compensation. And what's wonderful about this, that not only Eve, but Joseph of old, the thing that Joseph of old and Eve had in common, they both had wounds that would not heal. Now, one was self-inflicted, but they wouldn't heal on their own. The life of Joseph had the call of God as a boy. He was hated by his brother. They sold him into slavery. He was falsely accused. He was thrown in prison to rot and die, abandoned, afraid, and alone. But God had other plans for this young man in the palace. This is what I say to you this morning. You never appreciate the palace until you spent time in prison. Sometimes God will take us to places in our life that are very low, very lonely. We feel abandoned. We'll feel afraid. But I will tell you, God will not leave you there to rot and die. God has plans and purposes for your life. So they shared this in common. They both shared something in common that, that their wounds that had been inflicted upon them. And even though that Eve was self-inflicted and Joseph was not, but they had something in common that their wounds could not and would not heal by themselves. So what did Joseph do? So as we close this morning, I need you to understand that he spent his whole life at the age of 12 years old and the age of 14 that the call of God was upon his life. But from then for the next 15 years, everything went the wrong direction, but he never gave up on God and God never gave up on him. But they were wounded. Something happened to them. Something should have stunted their spiritual growth, but God made sure that did not happen. Genesis chapter 46 and 20. Probably. I forgot it, but I think it's 46 and 20. Thank you. And Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim. Joseph has two sons. Here's a guy that absolutely had the call of God on his life. And then from there on, everything went the opposite direction. I'm not saying that you would ever do this, but I'm telling you one day driving the road, you heard a voice saying that I'm with you and I've got great plans for you. And the next day, hell itself moved in. Things didn't go good at home. Things are not going good at work. Things are not good in the finances. And, and this is all I want to say to you. What did you expect? 
I mean, did you really think that hell itself was going to roll over? I laugh at some people because they're shocked. <laughs> they're shocked that things happen to them. When they really begin to say that I will stand for God and I will live for God and I will fulfill the purposes of God that he has upon life. And you really think that every demon in hell is going to just get out of your way. They're going to do everything they can to destroy you. It's not you that hell hates. It's what you carry. It's whom you carry. You're not that talented. You're not that gifted. You're not that good looking. Virgil, you're pretty good looking, but you're not that good looking. So why is it that I'm catching so much flack from your enemy? It's because whom lives in you? His kingdom, his authority, his dominion. His kingdom now. So he had two sons. He said, I've been hurt. I've been wounded. I've been abandoned. And I've got to get past this. So names are so important. So he has two sons. And the first one is Manasseh. Manasseh's name means, by definition in the Hebrew, to forget. It means you have made me to forget. And the second son is named Ephraim. His name is fruitful. Some even calls it double fruitful. And when you put these names together, Joseph is saying, without forgetting, I'll never be fruitful. He got it right. Until I forget the injuries that has occurred to me. Before I can forget things that have happened contrary to what I wanted to happen, I'll never become fruitful. So Joseph got it right. The first boy was named, you made me to forget. And now I can become fruitful. This simple message this morning has everything to do with your spiritual growth. Jesus said, I want you to bear fruit. Did you know the branches in itself doesn't bear fruit? I know that shocks you. Pharaoh is a word, P-H-E-R-O, that bear fruit. Branches really don't bear fruit as what you think. It's the Holy Spirit that produces the fruit. The branches only displays it. So what I mean by that is you can take a tree or a branch and that's bearing fruit and pluck it up and, and set it on the carport of your garage. And I'll tell you, the branches on its own can't do anything. It needs the roots. Jesus said, I want you to bear fruit. And if you are in me and I'm in you and I'm the root system, I'm going to use you to display kindness and peace and joy and long suffering and all the gifts and the fruit of the spirit. But until you get past it, until you forget it, you'll never become fruitful. And I'm begging you this morning, if we've ever need the people of God to be fruitful, it's today. And I'm going to do what I can to help you to get past it. As a matter of fact, isn't it funny? 
that when we find ourselves being wounded and paralyzed by our past, isn't it funny that how God will send the Manessas to our life to help us in order to be fruitful? Some of you just barely got here. I'm glad you're here, but some of you just barely, and I mean on the way over here, you, you got closer to your church, this church, and you go, and the devil says, why don't you just go to Sonic? They got two for one specials on corny dogs. You don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. Ah, they're just going to sing songs and take your money, and, and, and you don't want to go there. Just going down the street. Isn't it amazing that, that in the middle of your pain and your wounds, how God will send Manassas your way to help you forget the injuries that you've occurred? You know why I come here? Because you're good medicine. I mean, we may not have things on the outside in common, but we've got something in common. The blood of Christ is in us. And I will tell you, it never fails that I come here and Herman will grab me and hug me and he said, I love you, Pastor. Man, that's Manasseh in my life. We need the Manassas to help you get past your pains. And if you'll do that, you'll find yourself fruitful. So now then, for 130 years, Eve now is nine months pregnant. And her little belly's sticking out like me going to Brahms for that all-you-can-eat banana split. And for 130 years, she's had to relive the, the sourness of guilt and shame. For 30, 130 years, she's had this reflux disease of the coulda, shoulda, and woulda. If I'd have just done this different, if I'd have just said that different, if I wouldn't have to listen to the serpent and all these things, and for 130 years that she had to remember burying her children and the other one, she's never received a postcard for her. She's remembered this and she's relived this for 130 years in defeat and despair. But in a quiet room somewhere, with her belly sticking out, but she said, I know that I failed God miserably. And I know that I messed this thing up. And I messed it up so bad that every preacher, in, even to the years of 2023, will be talking about me. But I also know one other thing that the seed of God is still in me. He promised me a seed. And that seed is still remains in me strong. And when she gave birth to this child, they named him Seth. And out of Seth's lineage comes Christ our Savior. Please don't raise your hand with me this morning. 
but we know what it's like to mess up. We know what it's like to get it wrong. We know what it's like to ruin things. We know what it's like since we've been saved. We know and we carry that guilt. But here's the deal this morning. I'm still convinced of all my stupidity. Can I say stupidity? I guess I can. Of all my stupidity and my blunders and all my mistakes through the years. But here's the deal. When I get by myself and here's the deal. But I still know there, his seed is still in me. He will never remove his seed from your life. Genesis 6 said, the seed remaineth in harvest time. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, no matter how many boundaries you've crossed, if you're a son or daughter of God, this is the deal. His seed remains in you. And it will bear fruit. And it will compensate for all the injuries and hurts that you've experienced in this short journey called life. Better days wait for me. So this week, what I want you to do, instead of going to someone and say, what do you think about me? Even Jesus was smart enough to turn the deaf ear to that. And he says, you know what, Father? Everybody says everything about me. All I want to know is what you say about me. And he said, you're my beloved son. And I'm well pleased. They called him a lunatic. They called him a wine-bibber. They called him a friend of sinners. And Jesus said, you can say anything you want to about me. My father says I'm all right. The seed lives in you. And it's growing. And you're producing fruit that's in the likeness of God. So don't ever give up on yourself because I'll tell you, God has never given up on you yet. I'm so glad of that. So what are we going to do? There's something inside me that's growing and it's the likeness of Christ. And we're going to bear fruit that glorifies our father. You go home this week and you look in the mirror and you remind yourself, self, that the seed of God is in me. And like Eve of old, I made a messed up and I might have made a mistake, but I know one thing, that seed of potential is in me. And God, I just believe that your promises are true, that you'll bring it to pass. Compensation. Better days ahead of us for the people of God. Amen. Amen. Father, this morning with all of our heart, we surely can identify with, with Eve's wounds that just wouldn't heal, self-inflicted. It wasn't anybody's fault. It was ours. We said it. We did it. We act upon it. And we also identify the wounds of Joseph. We know we've been called by you, but other people did horrible things to us and we've just never got past it. That's why we're barren and we're not fruitful, but we've learned this morning that you have sent Manasseh our way to help us to forget so we can become fruitful. We live in a world that's full of pain and problems. We live in a world that people so want to impose their anger upon us. And 
They hate us because we're sons and daughters of God. They betrayed us, they've sold us, they've abandoned us, and we're left afraid and alone. But one thing is for sure, that the seed of God still remains. There's something in us that is growing. There's, there's a likeness of the character of God that's alive in us. And we will not rest until we give birth to that anointing and that calling that we've been called to fulfill. Father, I pray for every person in this place that has been wounded and hurt. And, and I pray that you'll send Manassas their way to help them forget. You'll cover them up with love and laughter and life. You'll, you'll cover them up and they're so tempted to go back and peek, but don't let them because it'll only make them sick to their stomach. You have sent Manassas into this place that we absolutely can help one another forget over time the injuries that has occurred in our lives that we can become fruitful. Father, personally, thank you for my friends in this church. Thank you. Thank you for their love. Thank you for their affection. Thank you because Lord knows I need it. Thank you for every kind word and for every gentle hug and for every firm handshake. Thank you because I need these Manassas in my life because I want to be fruitful. I want to bear fruit that glorifies you, Father. And for these things this morning, for all of us, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name. And all the people of God say amen and amen. amen. If you believe that this morning, stand to give the Lord a praise offering, would you please, huh? <laughs> Communion service, please come. Just turn to about two people and, and, and see them now as Manassas. And it, with a loving, heartfelt reply, tell them, I'm glad you're in my life. Give them a hug. Turn around. Tell people that. I'm glad you're in my life. You've helped me to forget. I'm bearing fruit. I was voted the person that would be bearing the rest of their life spiritually. But you have been sent by God to change my destiny. I'm bearing fruit. Mm. So that, that dreadful night that he sat with his disciples and he took two sacraments, the cup and the bread, and he said, this bread will now represent my body broken for you. And they took the bread. And he said, this cup will now represent my blood that will be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins and they took the cup. And little did they realize that what he was doing is bringing a sense of fruitfulness to their lives. Fathers, we celebrate Holy Communion today. 
we celebrated remembering the good things of Jesus.